Please be seated. Yeah, we're creatures of habit, you know. So, and uh, which which ties into everything that we're going to be talking about this morning. Uh, this is this is why spiritual disciplines are so important. They give us good habits and shift us out of bad habits. How many of you, when you were in grade school, ever did that experiment where you took a cup and you put, I think we used beans, you uh, put a, a bean in it and you grew the bean plant. And then when the, when the bean got, I don't know, when the plant got this high or so, you put different colored cellophane in front of it. Did any of you ever do that? You know, maybe a yellow one and maybe a red one, and maybe a blue one or whatever, different colored cellophane. And, and then you observed it for a while to see under which color the plant grew best. Did any of you ever do that? I did it. So, so some of us have done it. Dan did it. He's got his hand up back there. You know, so, and because the sun, as I mean, we all know this, this is simple, this is, this is simple science, you know, of, has all different colors of light in this, in the spectrum and certain parts of that spectrum are more conducive to making a plant grow than others, uh, just like things all around us. And I've got a plant up here this morning, and it actually it actually looks pretty good. I got I've, I've got the plant up here for a sermon illustration. Some of you may not think it looks that good, but you should have seen it yesterday, all right? And and actually, I was going to water it when I started today and see if it had perked up any before the end of the service, but uh, somebody watered it. And that's probably a good thing. And it still doesn't look that great, but it's responded to the water, right? And often we do it when we have communion. We do it when we have a baptism. We do it at other times. We talk about water being analogous to the Spirit. And it's something that gives life to us and other things, just like the Spirit does. Our reading this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 5, verses 13 through 26. Consider the word of the Lord. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single command. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, he can't be talking to Christian people, can he? If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, 
and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness. That's a good word, isn't it? Licentiousness. Idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am writing you as I warned you before. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who desires that none should perish, but that all would live an abundant life. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Amen. Well, in this particular passage, this is, there's a shift in Galatians here. There's a shift in Galatians here starting right here about verse 13 in chapter 5. Up until now, if you'll go back and you'll read the rest of the book of Galatians, and I heartily recommend that to everybody. Uh, if you go back and read chapters 1 through 5, 13, you'll see that Paul's talking very theologically. He's laying out a bunch of theology. But Paul knows, as we know, that you can have the head knowledge all you want, but if you don't put it into practice, what good is it, right? What good is it? You've, you've got to know how to do it, right? I mean, for example, let's just say, let's just say you have somebody that's a whiz. They've got a photographic memory, 
never forget even a period at the end of a sentence. And so they go and they get a manual on how to fly a 737, right? But they've never been on a 737. They've never even seen one, but they've read all about it, and they know everything there is to know about it. And they call you up and say, hey, I just read about how to fly a 737. Do you want to go for a ride with me? Southwest Airlines has loaned me one from their fleet, right? And they said I could use it this afternoon and I could bring along all my friends. So invite everybody you know and y'all come on over and we'll fly down to Cancun and have a good time, right? No, nobody would do that. Nobody would get in the plane with that. Oh, I trust nobody would get in the plane with that person. I guess there are some suicidal people on the planet. But we wouldn't do that. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's laid out a bunch of theology. He's telling you what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. But he says, this is what we've got to do. This is how we practice it. This is what we do. And the first thing he says there, he says, don't let the freedom. See, this is, this, is one of the, this is one of the big conundrums of our faith, right? And it's a conundrum that might even give rise to other denominations. And that's this whole works and grace thing, right? You know? Well, if God forgives you for everything you do, then what does it matter what I do anyway, Right? Or, you know, maybe I need to work harder. And Paul's saying, you've been given freedom. Freedom. But see, that's a, that's, a, that's a word that gets beat around a lot, right? You know, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose, right? That's what Chris Christopherson says, right? As, as immortalized by Janice, right? But anyway... Have you ever really thought about freedom? One of my favorite quotes is by the Indian poet Tagore. Tagore says, and you have to chew on this a bit, he says, liberation from the soil, we could use this plant as an illustration again, liberation from the soil is no freedom Liberation from the bondage of the soil is what he said. Let me get my quote straight. Liberation from the bondage of the soil is no freedom for a tree. Interesting thought, right? In the same way, we are truly free and we live abundant, joyful lives when we put our will in concert with God's will. That's what Paul's saying here. He's saying we are freed from sin. We're not freed to sin, right? There's a big difference. Those prepositions are important. I'm, you know, my grammar teachers bless their hearts. And David is really telling us the same thing. Remember, y'all know one of my one of my harps is the, the consistency of Scripture throughout and the harmony of Scripture throughout. And Holly read this a while ago, and I'm going to read a little bit of it again to tie in with what Paul says here. If we look at Psalm 51, verse 2, it says what? 
It says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Wash me thoroughly and cleanse me from my sin. That's what God's done. He's cleansed us from our sins so that what? We are free to be joyful and we're free to what? Love one another. Love one another. Because again, what's in the middle of sin? I, right? That's what's in the middle of sin. I. So it's when, when I'm thinking that I want to do what I want to do, right? Instead of thinking what? God wants me to do. Now, Paul goes on and he says here, the flesh is opposed to the spirit and the spirit is opposed to the flesh, right? Now, what's he, you know, again, what's he saying there? We're in bodies, we're alive, we're alive in our bodies, but you see, this again, this is the deal, right? When we think about habitual behavior, when we think about things we do, when we think about the works of the flesh as opposed to the fruit of the Spirit, those works of the flesh are all things that we do because we want to do them, right? Or we think we need to do them. Dallas Willard, who is one of my favorite theologians and fellow Christians, you know, rest his soul, uh, in a book called Renovation of the Heart, which I highly, highly, again, recommend to anybody, in a book called Renovation of the Heart, Dallas says something about the body that I think actually has a lot to do with what Paul is saying here about the flesh being opposed to the spirit. And I don't want to mess up Dallas's quote, so I wrote it down. Okay? And you have to think about this one. Although I think a lot of you think about this one a lot. That's what he's saying here. Taking the body as our main concern makes it impossible. Dallas, by the way, was a philosopher as well. He taught philosophy at USC, and he's very particular, very particular about his grammar and his words. So let me say this again. Taking the body as our main concern makes it impossible to please God and at the same time ensures the utter futility of our life. Taking the body as our main concern makes it impossible to please God and at the same time ensures the utter futility of our life. Hmm. I think that's kind of what Paul was saying here when he talks about the flesh working against the Spirit. Ah, but what does David have to say? Psalm 51, verse 17, or verse 12. I'm getting ahead of myself. Restore to me 
the joy, wow, the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. A willing spirit is a spirit that's in harmony with God's spirit. And again, remember, will and heart, when we read them in Scripture, are usually easily exchanged of synonyms for each other. They mean the same thing. So Paul's saying here, what my body wants to do is most of the time, or he's, or he's really putting all the time, opposed to what the Spirit wants to do. And the Spirit, of course, comes from God. And if we listen to the Spirit, we're in harmony with God's will. And we will act in such a manner that is loving toward our neighbors. This plant yesterday was like this. All the leaves were like that, right? Now, all a plant really needs is a few nutrients in the soil, some sunlight, and some water. And it does fine. When plants get what they need, they do well, right? They do well. Now, I don't believe this plant said to itself when it got watered, well, you know, I've been without water a long time. Maybe I just won't perk up, right? No, it got what it needed, and it perked up. Here's an interesting thing to think about sometimes. How many, how, you, you don't have to raise your hands. How many of you have pets, okay? okay? Pets and plants, if you think about it, like some, sometimes, you know, sometimes my dog will eat something that upsets its tummy, but it perks up pretty quick. Or if there's something wrong with your animal and you need to give them some medicine or something, they respond pretty fast, most of the time, unless they're old and, and they're completely worn out. Same way with a plant. Now, on the other hand, we have us. A dog never says, you know, well, I wonder if this water will help me out. No, they just go about it. See, I think, I think the reason plants and animals respond to treatment or respond to getting what they need a lot faster than people is because they don't have egos. They don't have egos, you know? And plants don't ever say, well, I wonder if God is punishing me by giving me this dryness or this disease, right? Or try and figure it out. No. They just do their thing as part of God's creation. And we do our thing as part of God's creation when we are led by the Spirit, like the, like the song, the anthem Kathy picked out for us this morning. But then Paul ends this up, and of course he, he lists all the works of the flesh, or not all, but many of the works of the flesh, and he lists the fruit of the Spirit. 
and you get the fruit of the Spirit again, we know how, and there's no law against those things, Paul says. But he says, if anyone belongs to Christ Jesus, he's what? He's crucified the flesh with the passions thereof. So what does the little shepherd boy say? The little shepherd boy says, the sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So, again, David agrees with Paul. Put your ego aside, or as Paul says, crucify your ego. Kill it. Resurrection doesn't come after life. It comes after death. We need to remember that. As Jesus told us in John chapter 12, verse 24, he said what? Unless a grain of wheat fall into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it yields a great crop. Amen? strong and true no